You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, the place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. I wonder if you've ever experienced the pain of injustice. Might have been a very large thing that happened to you where, you know, it really was uh, a deep injustice that had unfortunately afflicted your life. Or it might have been something on a little more of a small scale. I know that Amity, our two-year-old, experiences great forces of injustice each and every day uh, as her parents do things like only allow her to watch one Wiggles episode in a row. And sometimes you can see the pain and the injustice that this has caused. It's, uh, it's like it's the worst thing since apartheid in South Africa or something. It's, uh, it's absolutely shocking. Uh, and the tears, and they go on and on and on, and we try and stand firm in our ruthlessness. Uh, uh, she is a, a, a treasure, no doubt, but uh, sometimes it is a bit funny. Uh, we... Uh, we have this inbuilt sense, don't we, of, of, of justice and seeking uh, uh, the right thing. And sometimes it, it comes from a selfish place. We think we know what's best. But other times it is connected to this deep-held sense that we all have of what is right and wrong. And the prophet Habakkuk, who uh, we're reading his book today and we're going to read it over the next three weeks, Uh, He knew from God's word the way God's people should be living and he knew that they weren't living up to it and he felt this was a great injustice and so he's calling out to God to deal with it. And that's what we're going to see today, that Habakkuk is crying out for God to do justice. Now, I don't know about you, but it was probably been a long time since you last sat down with the book of Habakkuk and had a good old read of it. In fact, it's probably uh, been a while since you were even sure how to say that collection of letters um, that uh, starts with an H and has uh, a collection of Bs and As and Ks uh, together. But I'm going with Habakkuk, uh, and uh, so that's how it is. Um, uh, Habakkuk. There are a few other alternate uh, pronunciations, but... Um, That's the one we're going with here. Now, aside from uh, the name, what we know about this little book and this uh, man uh, is that uh, he was uh, kicking around uh, uh, Israel in the 7th century BC. So uh, in the latter third of that century, so somewhere between about the year 630 to somewhere between 612 and 605. Now, how do we know this? Well, because in uh, the reading that Marie uh, read out, uh, God says in verse 6, I am raising up the Babylonians. Uh, And uh, we know that the Babylonians were on the rise in this time, in the latter third of the 7th century. So we know that the other world power at this time were the Assyrians uh, and their capital Nineveh that... uh, 
we heard about last year when we worked our way through the little prophet called Jonah. Uh, uh, that city fe- uh, fell to the Babylonians uh, in 612. So basically in the, in the 7th century BC, you've got the Assyrians and the Babylonians. They're like Russia and the United States, something like that. World powers kind of fighting each other out. Uh, and so uh, Nineveh falls in 612 Uh, And in 605, uh, the whole Assyrian Empire is wiped out. The Babylonians are victorious. So we know that uh, for for God to say he's raising up the Babylonians, that it it must have been in this time period that Habakkuk had this little conversation with God that's recorded for us. And what we also notice uh, is that if you're uh, a little bit familiar with biblical prophecy you'll know that what normally happens is uh, God tells the prophet that the people of God are failing to live up to his standards and he commissions the prophet to go and to tell the people of God, you need to repent because God is upset with you. But the book of Habakkuk is different because what's happening here is the prophet is not going to the people and saying, do better, He's actually almost doing the opposite. He's coming to God in in prayer, in in complaint, and he's saying, God, the people suck. They're not living up to your standards. Can you please do something about it? Can you live up to your end of the bargain where you say that if we fail to be faithful, you will bring judgment and justice? Because I can't stand, Habakkuk says, to see all this unrighteousness in my life. Habakkuk is crying out for God to act and to act justly to punish the wrongdoing. And we see that, don't we, in his first complaint from verses 2 through to 4. How long, O Lord, must I call for help but you do not listen? Destruction and violence are before me. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous. He's so upset that this wicked and destructive behaviour has been allowed to continue by God's own people in God's own land. And and Habakkuk's complaining to God and and crying out for God to vindicate those who've been faithful in the midst of great injustice, wrongdoing, destruction and conflict. Uh, I, I wonder if you can sort of relate. You know, I was thinking that it's not exactly the same, but perhaps it might be uh, a a little bit like some of us today, particularly those of us who've been in church for a long, long time and we've watched some radical shifts in our uh, Australian society over the last 40, 50, 60 years. Some of us today might be thinking we get where Habakkuk's coming from, where we, we feel like we've sat in church faithfully for many years as the society around us has uh, s- seemingly uh, 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 fled from the, the gospel grounding that it maybe once had. Uh, we've seen our society radically shift around us. The, the, the sexual revolution, the demise of regular church attendance, uh, the rise of uh, state-sanctioned uh, abortion, or the, the, the passing of same-sex marriage, the passing of euthanasia in Victoria and the elder abuse and the idolisation of youth and the lack of respect for the elderly that has gone on in our time. Uh, and we, we might see sort of 
I understand if we can connect with that kind of emotion, some of Habakkuk's heart as he cries out to the Lord and says, God, how long are you going to let this go on? Are you going to let the the, the wicked people prevail? Are you going to let sin prosper? It's a tough thing to see. And unfortunately for Habakkuk, uh, his, God's response to his complaint, God, can you fix this, please, is not quite what Habakkuk is expecting. For in verses 5 to 11, Habakkuk replies, and basically, uh, God replies to Habakkuk and basically says, I'm going to make things worse. He's going to raise up the Babylonian Empire to punish Israel for its sins. Let me read verses 6 through 8. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their whores advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. God is raising up a ruthless, impetuous, land-hungry, scary, extremely strong and powerfully uh, uh, militarily-wise nation to bring God's judgment on his people. God is going to use this uh, uh, impetuous nation, this ruthless nation, to bring about his purposes. And what we see in the next part of Habakkuk that we'll talk about next week uh, is that this isn't what Habakkuk's hoping for. He doesn't expect that God will uh, bring his justice to bear on his people by bringing an even greater injustice upon them. That is, the Babylonians, Habakkuk knows, are worse than God's people. And yet God is going to use them to bring judgment and justice. And that's an interesting issue to think about, and it's one we're going to think about next week. But what we see just in our first uh, part of this conversation Habakkuk has with God is the seriousness uh, of God when, he, when it comes to sin. God takes sin, unrighteousness, seriously. He is a just God. And there are consequences when we fail to live up to his standards. Israel has failed. They've failed to be the people God called them to be. And there are consequences for that. They're going to face Exile, And you and I need to face the same reality, that God does not allow wickedness and sin to go unpunished. There are consequences for our misdeeds. Well, that's not a nice thing to think about, is it? Or to talk about, what am I doing preaching judgment on Father's Day? I should be giving you all a a G-up. But it's important that we face the truth. Some of you might be thinking, well, I'm okay. God will surely let me into heaven. I can think of at least five, if not 105 people who are worse than me. Rapists, murderers, thieves, uh, slanderers. There are all sorts of people out there who have done the sorts of things that I haven't done. 
Well, God's word is clear, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The truth is that you and I are guilty. And God would be justified if he chose to raise up the Babylonians and send them through our city and suburbs and streets today and bring about his justice. And this book serves as a reminder to us to turn from our sin and to turn to God, to seek his help and his forgiveness. Otherwise, we face certain judgment. Now, it is often a thing we don't like to talk about, the justice and the judgment of God. We think it's part of God's character. We'd rather shuffle off to one side, something that belongs in the Old Testament but not part of the New Testament. But, in fact, I think God's justice is a beautiful thing that is often maligned. Because God's hatred of sin and his just punishment of it is, in fact, a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, I was reading during the week the story uh, of some unsolved crimes. And one story that stuck out to me because of its Tasmanian nature was the story of Chrissy Claire Venn, who was a 13-year-old Australian girl who was murdered and mutilated near Olveston almost 100 years ago. And to this day, her killer remains unfound and unpunished. And I guess one assumes a 100-year-old unsolved case has a fairly poor chance of uh, being solved any time soon. And certainly an even poorer chance of any justice being done. What do we do for the family, the relatives who still live today? How do they get closure on something like that? Or what about this other story I read? Uh, There's a con man in Britain uh, who about 10 years ago uh, set up a scheme uh, where he promised much and delivered little. He stole the life savings of over 17,000 pensioners in Britain. And he was caught and he was charged and these people's lives were ruined. And he went to court and he effectively got off on a technicality, meaning he kept his millions, lived in luxury, whilst all who he'd ripped off suffered with no sense of justice. Or, I know stories of powerless widows and orphans in war-torn countries who have their husbands killed by militia and live in fear each day of their own rape or murder. And there's no sense that anyone's going to come and help them anytime soon or that those who've perpetuated the violence will be brought to justice. What do we do in a world where injustice reigns supreme, where murderers go unpunished, where conmen get to live in luxury while those whose lives they're ruined uh, 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 seemingly have no recourse, where people live in fear day to day. What do we do in a world where justice never prevails? We rejoice in the justice of God because God's justice does prevail. God will bring to account all of these people one day, whether in this life or the next. 
And we can rejoice in knowing that no one gets away with it. But of course it's also equally terrifying because it means you and I aren't going to get away with it either. And that's where we need to turn to Jesus. For Habakkuk lived in a pre-Jesus world, but as we seek to understand this message of God's justice and his hatred of sin, uh, we need to come to the Lord Jesus, who we see brings God's justice and mercy all at once. With the coming of Christ, God is able to be both just and merciful. You remember I read to you just earlier Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in this predicament together. But Paul continues in that same chapter of Romans, verse 24 to 26 of chapter 3. But all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Jesus Christ dies as a sacrifice in our place if we trust in him with faith. And God has to do this So that he can be just. Because the great dilemma for us is that how can God be just if he simply overlooks sin, if he forgives it? And he can't be. But instead, he maintains his justice and his mercy by both punishing sin through Jesus and enabling us to receive mercy by uniting us to Christ in his death and resurrection. Through faith. We are justified and forgiven by his great act of mercy on our behalf. And that is the great scandal of the Christian faith. That anyone can receive mercy. That the murderer of the 13-year-old girl, the con man of 17,000 pensioners, uh, the militiaman who rapes and murders indiscriminately, but the priest, the pagan, the parishioner, that all of us... All of us can receive God's mercy and yet God can maintain his justice by punishing sin through the death of his perfect son on our behalf. This is the scandal and the beauty of our faith in one. No one is too far gone. Anyone can receive mercy and justice prevails. As we consider Habakkuk's cry for God to be just, we see that we have a choice. A choice as to whether we want to face the full force of God's judgment like a civilian in the streets of Israel as the mighty Babylonians ran through it. Or if we instead choose to seek sanctuary through faith in Jesus' death. And allow God's mercy to enable Jesus' atoning sacrifice to cover our sins, to pay the price. God loves justice and God loves you. And Jesus brings justice and mercy. 
And so I encourage you to look to him with the eyes of faith so that you won't have to stand on your own and face his justice by yourself. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church, www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.